So, I know we don't usually start by jumping, like, right into a video game, mm -hmm. but I have to jump right into a video game this week, and I hope you'll forgive me for that. Yeah, because... you you carry on. I'm, I'm just on my play date, so you, uh, you get oh, on with yeah, it. Oh, yeah, you're on your play date. It must oh, be nice. Must be fucking nice. I'll tell you what. It isn't really. Carry on. Yeah, well, we'll leave, we'll leave you to it. We'll come back to you and your playdate in a minute, I guess, then, for, for Stephanie's playdate corner or whatever. I have played a Nintendo-published first-party Nintendo Switch game this week. Oh, everybody want to Switch? Yeah, I played everybody want to Switch. Mm. Uh, which, reminder for anyone listening who doesn't know the history of this game, the summer of last year, there was a story on Fanbyte um, about... A sequel to One Two Switch in development called Everybody's One uh, Everybody One Two Switch. Oh, and real quick, pour one out for all of the fanbite writers who bit it in the last few weeks. This story, summer last year, fucking absolutely nailed some shit. Great work from I think it was Imran Khan mm -hmm. over there that did this. Yep. Uh, but the story was, hey, there's a One Two Switch sequel in the works, but um, they've been testing it with uh with focus testers, and the game is like really fucking shit, and Nintendo did not know internally what to do with it. The report was it was meant to come out in early 2022, and by mid-2022 they were still going, we don't know what to do with it, and pushed it back another year. The leak was very accurate. It talked about, like, the host of it being a bipedal horseman wearing a rubber horse mask. Apparently he's a horse, because horse sounds kind of like the word host in lots what? of different languages. Yeah, apparently the words horse and host sound close enough to each other in lots of different languages that they wanted that to be a pun. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah. So I'm I'm reading I'm reading from the playtesting thing, and I I feel like it's important. This is important background before I talk about having played this thing. So, like a year ago, playtesting groups received the game. Feedback to the development team was brutal. The target audiences Nintendo was hoping to hit, families with children, found the games boring. Many didn't even want to play through entire rounds. In the bingo example, one player would use a Joy-Con to mime digging up a number before reading it off the TV screen, a process that playtesters reported as tedious. Um, so yeah, basically, like, they didn't know what the fuck to do with this. There was arguments internally, apparently, about, like, can we even release it as a full-price release? Do we have to make it a budget thing to sneak it out? Skip forward to this week. I only knew that what everybody wanted to switch was out because there was a little thing on the home screen of my Switch that said, here's a new game that's out. Um, this was 24 hours after the game had released, and I was like, I don't think I've seen anything advertising it's coming out, or any reviews. And I went and looked, 24 hours post-release, not a single critic review, and I'm like, oh shit, they did not give anyone this game in advance. So I played it, and here's what I will say. The fanboy article that says that playtesters didn't even want to play through one full round of this party game... They're not fucking lying. That that was not an exaggeration. It is so fucking accurate. How do I explain everybody want to switch? What if you tried to make a game like Jackbox? Like a Jackbox star party game, but you removed any semblance of personality from it. You sterilized it to the point that like it's almost hilarious how afraid they are of having any kind of memorable identity. And I feel like the best minigame that I played during this, to give a good example of what I mean, is there is a minigame 
where a colour is shown on screen and you have to take a picture with your phone of something of that colour and whoever gets the closest match gets the most points or whatever. If you were playing like a Jackbox, this would be like, ah, oh, um, the, all the colours are celebrities and they're, you know, they're trending down in the news. We gotta, we gotta get our PR agency to get them popular and get them back in the magazines. We gotta take some paparazzi photos to, you know, make these colours popular again. Like, there'd be some kind of, like, fun, silly little conceit around the fact that you're doing this. In Everybody One Two Switch, the conceit is, and I am not exaggerating, you see a JPEG of a stock image woman behind a desk and she's like, Hello, welcome to your first day at the magazine. I've heard certain colours are going to be trending soon, so we'd better get photos that contain those colours. Are you ready? That's a photo that contains the colour. That'll look great in the cover spread. Like, that's the, that's the entire personality of this thing. Like, this game has a host that is a horse. It's a, it's a man in a suit with a rubber horse mask, and I'm like, cool. You've given him a silly visual identity. I expect if any character in this is going to be silly to, like, get the energy up, it's going to be this horse man. Yeah, but you've also given him the visual identity of a meme that's a decade old. Yeah, right, right. Jane put it best, the, the thing about this horse man's voice. He sounds like a Nintendo Direct presenter. Uh, presenter. <laughs> he's he's doing the like, hello and welcome to the games. I might sound a little bit excited, but that's about the most I will do. Like it's way too normal and like corporate of a voice to be coming out of this like supposedly wacky horse mascot. It's this game is so afraid of having a personality. Um, I haven't even gotten into the worst problem with it yet. Like the mini games in it. Bland, boring, predictable, nothing minigames. But the worst problem is how long you have to fucking wait to take part in each minigame. Because the the lead up to getting to play the minigame lasts way longer than the minigame itself. Good example. There is a minigame about inflate a balloon using your Joy-Con. You sort of uh, pretend you're pumping to inflate a balloon. And, you know, make the biggest balloon without making it too big and it pops. You have to watch stock image live-action people act out the minigame for, like, 15 seconds, like, showing you what to do. And then there's a tutorial where they get you to do the action and show that you understand how to do it. And then they show you it again in a non-interactive sense as, like, a lead-up to the game. You don't need to be shown three times in a row, pump the thing like a pump to, to pump the balloon. And then the, the minigame lasts, like, 20 seconds and you pump the balloon and it's done and then the horse is going everybody one two switch at you again it's so infuriating i i cannot express how much i i cannot stand this game it's it's bad how much is it again i think it's like 30 quid right i oh i'm just trying to work out if it is worth me bothering to review it once the 16 one goes up and i get dark descent published here is the thing i will say you will have to get a second person to play it with you there's no way to play it by yourself and you will have to apologize to whatever second person you drag into this experience that's fine i apologize to phoenix every day this was such a bad time here is an example of something that happened while playing this. Me and Jane were playing it together, and we we were like 40 minutes in, and we're like, okay, we, we played the Joy-Cons only mode once through, and we were playing the mobile phone half of it once through. And we realised, 
oh, there's enough points that, like, if I just, like, don't win this minigame, if I just, like, put my hands up, don't do anything, and let Jane win, she wins, and we can just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> We're done. Like, the last minigame, I think, had been a draw, so this was worth double points, and Jane would win if she won this. So I was like, cool, I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to do nothing, and I'll and Jane will win. Which is exactly the moment that her mobile phone app just stopped working and didn't let her throw a single ninja star in the minigame. Meaning that I won so that the game had to keep going. The the game was like, no, we're not going to let you fucking win. We heard you trying to get out of this. You do not get out of everybody one to everybody one to switch. It's bad. Right. It's it's not even bad in a way that's fun. It's just, it drags itself out being boring, ill-thought-out. I could forgive it if it wasn't for the fact that some of it is just so poorly thought out. My favourite example of a really poorly thought out minigame in this is there is a quiz game where you're answering on your phone and your options are true or false. So you see a question come up on screen and you you click true or false as quick as you can to get points. Should be a really simple, simple premise. And they managed to fuck it up and overcomplicate it, despite the questions being really simple. A lot of the questions are like, true or false, a triangle has how many sides? Three! Hit true. That's fine. It's boring, but it's fine. Where it gets confusing is when you start getting multiple choice questions when you only have yes or no, true or false to answer with. We had a question come up that was, true or false... Which of these is closer to your eyes, your eyebrows or your eyelids? Wait, how is that a true or false question? Then it flashed up your eyes. And I guess what it was trying to go was, is it true that your eyes are true or false, that your eyebrows are closer to your eyes? It it asked to get a, a two options question and then threw one of the options up and you had to go, oh, we weren't picking an answer. We got a true or false, the one you showed us. Well, they're keeping you on your toes. That's that dynamic, it's... energetic gameplay we've come to no, expect from everybody. It's confusing to give a two a, a question with two possible answers as a true or false fucking question. <sighs> <sighs> wow. Everybody yeah. one two switch isn't very good. I get that impression. Yeah, forgive me for, like, starting with video games. I know that's not the way we do things here on Podquisition. I mean, but... it's low-key disgusting, but I um, Yeah, you know what understand. else is low-key disgusting? Everybody one to switch Yeah, I, I understand that for, uh, sometimes for a higher cause, we have to do dis- distasteful, even despicable yeah. things like start Podquisition with uh, video game discussion. Yeah, uh, well, look, here's the thing. I barely count that as video game discussion, but yeah. I barely count one, two, everybody one, two, switch as a fucking video game. You know what? Let me consult the almanac on that. Uh, where are we? You, yeah, yeah, you're covered yeah. on that. You, you, you know what the most fun we had with everybody one, two, switch was? When you're playing the half of this where you use a phone as a controller... You can upload any photo you want to be a little profile picture in game. And while Nintendo has tried very hard to like not let you type swear words in or whatever, they haven't done anything to stop you uploading a photo of your tits as your display picture. <laughs> I'm in! I'm in! I love showing them off. You haven't even heard the best part, Steph. There's little reactions you can do where a little hand will appear near your display picture to like, you know, clap or whatever. One of them... I don't know how to describe it. It looks like sort of a hand just squeezing. And oh, you can make right. it look like the hand's just sort of squeezing your tit. Right, I'm getting this switch. Or you, can do, or you can do the crying emotion and it just makes like makes it look like there's liquid on your tits. Like, that's that's the only fun we got out of it was Jane working out, like, what silly things could we do with a tit picture? 
Right. Oh. I still had it packed up from a trip, well, which I do want to talk <sighs> about before we get to other games. Um, yeah, yeah. You want to you want to talk about stuff? What you want to talk about? Yeah. Let me just get the tick grabbing game. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, I did want to just thank everyone who turned up to uh, my London debut. Uh, I was yeah. down south, down, down south, um, uh, last Thursday, uh, to debut with Fist Club, a queer operated wrestling promotion that is truly one of a kind in terms of what they do there. <laughs> that is the loudest reaction I've ever been in front of. And I'm counting like doing panels, uh, at shows like Screw Attack and that back when I was like actually famous. Smaller crowd than, like, say, the Screw Attack panel or that thing I did with Sessla. Or, I mean, it's, it's, I've been in front of bigger wrestling crowds, like, in terms of sheer people. And I've always gotten a big reaction, but this was another level. I mean, look, that was a room that was primed to be excited for your presence, because for anyone who doesn't know, Fist, Fist Club, um, all you need to know about that evening of wrestling to get it is that the first tag team that came out involved a pair of people whose whole gimmick was we are the cishet straight men who want to celebrate straight pride today. And here is our straight pride flag. They're portrayed by a pair of drag kings as well, I must yes. say. Yes. Oh, oh, they, they, they set that evening off on its turn. Yeah. Also, Conrad, you... Conrad, I'm going to put an image in the our group chat mm-hmm. um, of the straight pride flag that... Um, me and Jane and Fee were responsible for bringing into the world. Yeah, um, they were commissioned yeah. <laughs> um, by by Fist Club uh, to finish off the straight pride flag that they'd made for this tag team who's called Big Dick <laughs> Energy. Um, uh, wow. Big that Dick is, and Little Dick. That is, first of all, that's a great name. Holy yes. shit. That <laughs> Amazing is, name. That is a perfect asshole straight man. And they have bulges. They they uh, they have lovingly crafted bulges in their uh, leotards. I am I'm so enamored by that. But this flag, yes, it it's a work really, of the art, isn't it? It's uh, it's amazing. Like I I want to hang this in my house. Yeah, right. I I had a similar reaction. I was like, I hate that this thing exists. I am disgusted by it. I kind of want to have it on my wall. It's the really minimalist <laughs> vagina with the arrow pointing to it that says "Here be dragons?" question mark That I think really <laughs> d- brings it all together. I tell you what I like most about that flag: bringing you, Fee, and Jane there, and doing that, <laughs> thus making yourselves more useful than me. May have just redeemed me after turning up to the venue so late they cut me from my match. Which is a thing that happened. Well, uh, you, you still got a hell of a fucking pop. <laughs> we left hours ahead of Jane and Laura. And, like, listeners, Jane and Laura got together with us at the train station. We left hours ahead. Um, I still got there before the bell rang and that. But they were planning the match and I wasn't there. So I'm, like, getting messages, like, back and forth, just trying to be like, I'll be there, I'll be there. But, yeah, uh, I was going to be part of... I was actually going to wrestle Big Dick Energy. I was I was going to be in that match. But I was late, and it was embarrassing, and I felt dreadful. Hopefully that flag 
really helped to make up for it, uh, as did hopefully the pop, because, um, you know, obviously I, I, mean, I helped them sell I, quite I a few tickets. I don't think anyone so... can deny the amount that room fucking exploded at your presence. Yes. Clearly, like, from the sound of it, I helped sell quite a few of the tickets, so hopefully so obviously they you know they weren't gonna just say you're off the show because that would be bad for everybody so they there, there was a big sort of brawling match at the end and i was there sort of as, as the last thing to happen like the last wrestler out so it, it looked almost deliberate like it was a big sort of reveal unveil at the end as i came out and um everyone was tired because everyone else had actually had matches so nobody really wanted to do any bumping. I kind of made the most of it that I could out of my little arsenal. Uh, I was like, I can do a wheel kick, uh, which I've got to stop doing in 16 by 16 rings because I'm not getting the run up I need. It was more of a butt attack. It was it was a spinning butt kick is what it was. The thing is, you you came in and you sold that room as if like that was the plan from the start. And you you fucking you you made your moment count. You did you did great with it. I surprised everyone, not just with the part, but you know, I've I've only ever performed up north. People up here know me. Um, wrestling locker rooms and that don't know me down there. So up up comes this like timid, socially anxious, on the verge of tears, almost mute by that point, autistic girl who was too afraid to talk to anyone or or even suggest their own moves. And then I go out there and I grab the mic and I do my thing. Once I was done, uh, one of the performers was just like, wow, you're different out there. So yeah, yeah, did the old elbow drop. So that was good because like I said, no one really wanted to bump. So uh, I just bumped myself by doing the, uh, the corner elbow drop and all of that. That was good. Promo was really good. Uh, the big dick from Big Dick Energy clotheslined me in the chest and I screamed out my tits, which got a big laugh. Uh, it always does. Uh, whenever That's my go-to now is to scream either stop hitting me or ow my tits. And it gets over more than any move I could do. So that's good. Uh, what else was that? Yeah, met a lot of fans in that after. Met some friends. I've not seen them in like 20 years. The people I went to school with and shit turned up. My family didn't. Oh. Let's just get that out the fucking way. Thanks well, a lot. Well, that's why you have a wrestling family. My brother not yeah. even getting back to me about a message of like putting fucking roof over me, Ed. Like, thank you, by the way. Laura, and extended to Jane as well for for putting roof over my fucking head. Um, like, I did arrange something near y'all, but, uh, well, we didn't even... I didn't make it to that place the first night because uh, uh, we, we got in at 3am. You got to mind at, like, 4am in the rain, and it's like, yeah, no, don't go traipsing somewhere else. We'll find a space for you. Oh, God. I'm a bastion of organisation. Um, Hell yeah, you are. So yeah, met my old friend Leo, who um, did the the music for the old video game show. What I've done videos I used to do. Um, my friend Peter, who again not seen in twenty years. Philly, who's a regular in the Twitch chat, who I'd not seen in fifteen. I would have met another person who I've known for about ten years online through social. Uh, possibly actually going back to Destructoid now that I think about it. And we've been looking forward to seeing each other. Now I got a message from them a few days ago that said I work 15 minutes away from Fist Club. I had a ticket. I didn't know you were on it. And I didn't know until my partner who did make it there showed a photograph of them with you. 
<laughs> because they didn't, they had the ticket, but for whatever reason, didn't make it. Uh, they were like, I'd have m- moved fucking oceans if I'd known you were on it. But yeah, they didn't, didn't know. So they missed me. No excuse for me, family. I didn't even fucking arrange seeing him at all when I was down there this time. I was like, fuck it. I'm the one who made the effort to repair the bridges. Fucking set fire to them again. Um, Hello, listeners. If you've just joined us, this is the Dirty Laundry airing hour. Um, Is there anything else to add? Not really. I don't don't think it was. Oh, I will just say the one. There is one point because hopefully I can get videos and that of it. There is one point during my promo where like they're cheering after every line it's it's that one i do sort of where i do like the big long list of titles and wordplay i normally go really quick on it but they were cheering after every word there's one bit where i say something i think it's where i say uh transfem she then paragon of non-binary finery and there is such a a pop from one side of the crowd and i like do the thing where you sort of put your finger to your ear and sort of mime like rubbing a finger in it to like deal with it hurting and i i rubbed it and went blimey into the mic none of that was put on it was at such a volume and pitch that i got one of those stabbing itchy pains you get when something like hits your ear like just too harshly i've never been literally deafened by a crowd before um so yes uh, thank you. Uh, the day itself was like incredibly stressful and, and at times like nightmarish, uh, but that did make up for it. That made it worth it. So thank you to everyone who turned up, uh, to Laura and to Jane and to Fee, of course, um, and to like those people I have personal relationships with who actually did turn up. Thank you. Also, I got a blood shark from Ikea. I'm that yeah. trans now. A rite of passage, and I'm glad you've you've reached that point. Right, blush up. Uh, Conrad, hey, how you doing? Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, I, I I'm out of coffee. Um, mm, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah I, I'm out of I'm, I'm out of all of my vices. Chemicals, just about. All, yeah, oh, mate, you're things. done for. You my, love putting chemicals I in you. Do and my my so yeah, my body chemistry is all just wrong i feel like i feel like my head is just full of cotton right you know that where yeah. it's just like you're you're oh haven't been sleeping well got a hip that's bothering me um so yeah doing great right now actually um fourth of july was um philadelphia um we did have a mass shooting so that's good Ugh, um that's- America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we uh, the the best Fourth of July Twitter joke I saw was, "Oh, you love America? We'll name all 330 mass shootings we've had this year." Fucking hell! <laughs> oh, it's bleak. Um, but I was watching YouTube um, on Monday, and mm. uh, I saw this video uh, about a topic that I don't, you know particularly care about final fantasy 16 was like sort of oh, yeah. The, yeah yeah sort of the yeah. thing in it and i mean it was it was a it was a fun sort of video it had a really like entertaining bit of bookending uh some mm-hmm. some, some good comedy um uh a bit long bit long took a while for it to get good but uh <laughs> it, it 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 did 
Um, and it reminded me that I have been meaning to play Near Automata again. Mm. Ooh. Damn you, How's Steph. Damn you, Steph. Sorry. How's that How's that been going? <laughs> I mean, I've only spent nine hours on it since Monday. This <laughs> being much. Wednesday. Yeah. It's, well, much. I, I, oh, by I, the way, you reminded me. Sorry, just I, I'd also like to thank uh, the Stupendium for being on that video. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, we've been meaning to meet for a while. I was not familiar with the Stupendium. Oh, they're incredible. They seem like fun. The thing, the thing about Stupendium is like they do um, similar to to Gav, uh, mm. only rap based. Uh, they do music inspired by games. The biggest frustration I have with the Stupendium's work is often the imagery and themes that they touch upon in their raps based on the games are better than the games deserve. <laughs> their song on cyberpunk is such a better idea of what that game should be like style wise and, and theme wise. It's a, it's an incredible song. Same with a, a recent one they did on uh, Choo Choo Charles. Their idea of villagers tying people to train tracks for Charles to eat is so much better. Um, but yeah, sorry. Sorry, huh. I just wanted to, to thank Oh, Stoops that's probably for, more for interesting that. than anything I have to say about Nier Automata. I mean, I, well, I'd forgotten about the mobile suit combat section, mm. like right uh, yeah. at the very beginning yeah. of the game. Yeah. I, I'd completely forgotten entirely about the mobile suit gameplay. Because when I, I think about Nier, because you spend basically, you know, the vast majority of the time running around as an android. Yeah. Uh, I, I just did completely. And so I, I started playing and I was like, oh, shit, that's right. This game does everything. Oh, this yeah. It does yeah. literally everything. It goes everywhere. Yes. The second you think you know what this game is doing, it's like, oh, yeah, you forgot we're a side-scrolling shooter sometimes. Yeah. And and that is... That's amazingly fun. Um, it's surprising every time it comes up. Even having, you know, played the game through and done multiple endings in the past, it still manages to feel fresh and surprising whenever these things come up. But I think the main takeaway i have from it is that my problem isn't with open worlds my problem is with large open worlds because mm. the general map of near automata is not that big no it's just so densely packed and everything that is in it is interesting whether it's, you know, sort of comical or it hints at some larger thematic idea or it's examining relationships, every single activity you perform in that contributes to the whole in a way that most open world games simply don't attempt, let alone accomplish. Yeah. On top of that, like, one of the things I remember saying in my review is this isn't just a game that asks philosophical questions it has answers mm -hmm. which is such a fucking difference from shit like what if robots but people mm -hmm. that you see in so many other games as well as evoking name dropping real philosophers oh yeah like historical philosophers so many like games love to avoid committing 
They want to tackle themes and look and sound like they're saying something without actually saying something. Well, if you say something, then you're you're uh, able to be criticized. Well, exactly. But Nero Amana has the, the actual nerve to go that far. They don't just say, oh, what if? They are like, they say, here's what. Uh, and that is, it sounds like a little thing, but it makes a world of difference to that game's narrative. Yeah. It's it's truly remarkable. I mean, and and mm-hmm. something that has something for I think everyone. I I mean, a, 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 apart from someone who's just like, no, I can't get on with action based combat, platinum's combat. I can't do that, and I can understand yeah. that. There and th- those people are out there, and that's fine. And I'm sorry that this isn't for you, <laughs> like because like that that's a tragedy from my point of view, because everything else in the game that contributes to that whole, if you couldn't get past that, I just, you're missing so many interesting, smart things. But, like, you know, you spend also 90% of the game in an upskirt shot. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I'm not necessarily into that, per se. It's fine. But it is committed to that upstream. Oh, yeah. Well, this is why games like Nier, you don't see them criticized the same way you see, like, Quiet in, in Metal Gear Solid right. 5 criticized. Because, A, the director's... I've brought this up before. The director's just honest about it. He doesn't, like, say, oh, you'll be ashamed of your words and deeds and come up with some shit excuse. You ask him, he's like, yeah, I like asses. Yeah. Uh, so it's straight yeah. up and honest. And like you say, Conrad, it commits to it. It's not like hiding behind yeah. some pretense of artistry with it. It's like, no, ass. Yep. So it's if you have not played Nier Automata, if there's some reason you've held back on checking it out, I, I cannot praise the game enough. God, that combat yeah. is so enjoyable. Uh, the, it's, it's crisp. It has that, that chip system for modifying your character that is so flexible and the fusing of the chips, it's all very straightforward. There's a a fair amount of the content in it, but none of it is convoluted. It just comes together very quickly. You know, it's like Armored Core, by contrast, is a royal fucking pain in the ass because it's basically stat sheets to figure out all of that stuff. Here, it's like, oh, can you fit this in? Here's a visual indicator of whether you can fit it in. Cool, do it, and you're moving on with your life. The uh, the characters are are excellent. The movement is so fluid. Uh, it just, it feels good in my hands. It's like butter in my hands. Have you ever just held butter and squeezed it through your, your fingers and, no, no, just me? <laughs> no, I've got like massive tits for that. Oh, there you go. Yeah, um, butter. I just eat straight out the tub. <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy, but these youngest has. I once caught him underneath a table, yeah. hunched over it like a gob, like an actual goblin. It was amazing. Oh, you know, he, he just fucking loves his butter. I've never like respected a three-year-old before, <laughs> but I like looked at him and I was like, "Game recognized game. You're a complete fucking troll." Um, <laughs> brilliant kid but yeah butter yeah it's it's very 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 good and and Mm -hmm. please play it 
Yeah, soundtrack also oh. incredible. There's not a bad track on it, and it all suits no. the mood of every environment that it's in. And oh, that that first time you go to the carnival, uh-huh. and you have that gorgeous music. This sudden flash of color after like a world that's kind of decayed, and robots that were all enemies not too long ago now dressed up like clowns and and families like they're there as like mothers and fathers taking kids to the fair like that whole sequence uh that's the moment i i really fell in love with that game because yeah the presentation just on top of everything else is fucking sublime yeah mm-hmm. yeah god i want to play it now thanks conrad uh-huh. yep <laughs> that's vengeance for you so Steph, hey, you, your playdate's finally showing up yeah i was annoyed yeah. i was annoyed because it was due to arrive the very day I turned up in London and had my show. So that just felt like a real fucking, like, kick in the nadges. Uh, but it actually turned out okay because it actually arrived the day I came back from London. Yeah. So it was waiting for me. The play date, after months of, of lamenting that it must be nice to have one, Yeah, I can finally say that it's... Fine that I've got one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's... Well, let me give you an idea of just how fucking Nintendo this thing is. Just, this is like the bastard child of Nintendo's gimmickiest shit. Uh, In order to wake the system up, you have to press the lock screen not once, but twice. Because each press opens one of the system's eyes that are on screen because it was asleep. Oh my Twee god. Wee fucker. I mean, as someone that throws that thing in my bag, I appreciate it not just unlocking because it nudged against something. It Fair. gets old real quick. I really I really don't mind the double tap. I've never had a thing do that though. I've never had a uh, besides which, right? It's always on. I'm looking at it right now, the screen's never off. Yeah. It's got a little clock on it as I speak. Not a major problem because there's no fucking backlight, of course. I was surprised by how small it is. Yeah. It is very tiny. I have tried to play a few games with text so small. It's like playing fucking Dead Rising on a standard (laughs) deaf TV like I did back when HD wasn't fully embraced and Capcom was like, fuck off. We ain't fixing that. Um, So, yeah, it is, you know, it's a cute little thing. I don't like how sharp its edges are. I had to, like, relearn how I hold handhelds. The corners are rounded, but the actual edges are, like, real fucking harsh, and it was digging into me. Hmm. So so I've had to hold it, like, a little differently to how I would normally hold something like this. The crank is cute. Again, hammering home the idea that this is a very sort of Nintendo mindset thing. A lot of the games I've played have had me thinking this would have played better and been more convenient if I would just be able to press a button Mm -hmm. to do what this fucking crank's doing. Several games already have just been like, fuck it, we're doing fishing. (laughs) As you do. I've got four games so far that were released as part of the season. Yeah. The in-system catalogue, a lot of those games, I don't like fret too much on price but a lot of them seem way too expensive for what they are especially when i can go on itch and get 
games that are fully reviewed and often better yeah. for a quid. Honestly, I would I would recommend that. And I'll say it, it's really easy to side love stuff. Oh, you, yeah. Which means you can just throw... St- like, there's so many free and cheap things on itch that I threw onto this that I yeah. had good fun with. Uh, side loading is my favourite thing about the system, actually. I like that whole... Download the files from itch, upload them to your Playdate account, and then they'll just be on the system, like, ready to download. That is cute. Yeah, they they just download the way any other game yeah. in the, in the um, season so that's would, cute. which is nice. Uh, let's see, let's yeah. look at the games I've got. Wipe, water Wipeout, hated it. You know, not a fan. No, steering with the crank, trying to do that, I didn't like it. Casual Birder, which is cute. For sure. This is just sort of Pokemon, but going off and doing uh, birds. Taking photos of birds, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's got a cute little sense of humour and everything, and I like the idea, but the fact that some of these birds can move quite quick, and I've got to not only use the very clacky D-pad to move the camera, but then focus with the um, crank. And if they're moving Mm. about, like knowing at which range to focus, like it's just a lot. And I found it kind of frustrating to get some of the the birds. So I've not gone back to it. Boogie Loops. Boogie Loops is the the worst thing in season one. I don't fucking understand what's happening. Same. See, it it is the dud of season one. Yeah. Like, what is it? It's meant to be a very basic music sequencing program that then when you've laid the notes down for it to make music some little characters dance along to the music you made Fucking it's not good. it is the one thing in season one where i'm like i see no real redeeming qualities and i don't know why they made this part of season one <laughs> yeah because there's nothing descriptive on the play date itself yeah and i didn't bother looking it up i i could not understand what was happening I, I didn't even know it wasn't a proper game. I didn't know it was some fucking music sequencer thing. I was like, is this yeah. a rhythm game? Is is there a puzzle here? No. What it's trying to be, and I'm reading through like the description for like what where what it reading from their words what they want this to be. The idea is they wanted it to be like Mario Paint's music making section, but that once you had made the music, you could choreograph dances and then the the little pizza slice with arms would dance to the music you'd made. So, and I it just it just doesn't land. Yeah, not not just good. doesn't land. Not good. Uh the other one, the the last one is the one that I guess the closest you get to calling a something on this a system seller. Like it was the one. Yeah. Uh, a cranking it, it is time. definitely the first. Yeah, Crankin's time travel adventure is definitely the first like hit of yeah. season one. Yeah. Did I just make up a name? It's not so, called a cranking no. time. So it's... the game is called Crankin's time travel and uh, time travel adventure, but it also does call it something different on the title screen. Right. And maybe it's cr- cr- whatever it, whatever you said might be what yeah. it's called. It has two different titles, and that is a bit confusing. Yeah. In any case, it's the Tin Man from like. A tin man from Wizard of Oz looking fella uh, who is trying to get to a date. Like, Laura's described this. You've described this yeah. on Podquisition, um, where you sort of speed up time by cranking back and forth or, like, reversing it. And there are various obstacles that are not affected by that. So you use the the speeding up and stopping and everything to move the character to avoid the obstacles, like... 
he stops to sniff flowers and that ducks so that butterflies can go over his head and you avoid them. I love the idea. I mm-hmm. like the implementation in terms of fundamentals. Yeah. I have been incredibly frustrated by like the precision that some of this stuff needs. Yes. Occasionally the window of safe frames you can be in is quite tight. Yeah, and you don't get a lot of time to get there. Mm. Um the paper planes where you hang yeah. and the bod- the the character's body segments a bit to let the planes go through. Yes. There is like one frame. I swear it's one frame. Yes. That is specifically the thing I was thinking yeah. about is hanging off that bar. And thankfully that 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 is not a mechanic that sticks around for too many levels, but like it's the one point of frustration I had was the the precision. So the thing I eventually worked out is I think there is a different window of frames in which you're safe on the way up to the bar and on the way down from the bar. And working out which one of those has the bigger right. like anim- the the longer animation of you like splitting apart further was a point of frustration. <laughs> yeah. But like I mean it's it's a shame because that was one of the most playable games on this thing that yeah. I've I've tried and and it put me off. It makes the most sensible use of the crank. Like it feels so far of, of the stuff you've got there. It like, oh yeah, this justifies using this as an input method. Yeah. They actually had a clever use for the crank. Yeah. Um I've gotten as far as the pig and I don't know what to do and I got really fucking annoyed with it and stopped. Um pigs. Um Oh, you've got to be jumping off of a picnic table, I think. I didn't see a pic. I didn't. I might be wrong. I think there's a picnic table you could be leaping off of. Oh. You might have to run backward. Like, are the pigs running towards you? Yeah, the, the only thing that was between me and the pigs were more flowers. So don't run forward to a thing. I think you've got to run backwards, like backing away from the pigs. And I think there is something behind you that you went past hmm. earlier in the level. I backed maybe? up all the way into the house again. I'm, I'll, like, I'll, I'll give it I'm, another look. I'll give it yeah, another I'm look. Yeah, this is me trying to remember this off of having not played that level in a bit. But... Yeah. Um, yeah. Oops, hang on, gotta wake it up again, gotta open its eyes. <laughs> um, I'll go through the others sort of real quickly. I've not tried Real Steel or Recommendation Dog yet. Those were the free ones on the catalogue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I tried a little adventure game called Island, which is an hour long, doesn't save progress. You meant to do it in one sitting. Despite that, I got bored enough to stop partway through. Coin Germs, I saw, um, I think it was Eurogamer that ranted and raved about this. It's a sort of multi-tiered screen of platforms with coins that appear and a little thing at the bottom that shoots germs up in the air. The map sort of looks like the original Mario Brothers or Mappy or something like that, or Woe Dave, and you like go up and down collecting coins. And there's a time limit and it says, well done, you collected this many coins this time. And it just does it again with different configurations of ladders and holes that you can drop down from. Really boring. Mm. I don't know why it was raved about that much. I've not tried Pulpmon yet, which is a sort of like digestible Pokemon thing. Uh, Core Fault. Oh, Core Fault. I got this one because it was developed by Squid God who did the one Playdate game that I have, like, played to any engrossed degree. Yeah. So this is your little Vampire Survivors-esque thing with your little mining droid. Yeah, it's a survivor game where you use the crank to steer the thing around and it's always moving. 
and you kind of mm. get used to the crank. Kind of. It, it's responsive enough to where it's not egregious. What baffles me about this game is how bad the weapons are. There's not one single projectile weapon that works like normally. There's one that shoots a bunch of bullets behind you or one that shoots one really slow one in front of you. So that just wants you to steer into the enemies that are already like increasingly hard to avoid. Everything else is like a short range thing that needs you to get super close. And admittedly, this got a bit better after I put on some permanent upgrades because weapons are upgraded not during play, but permanently. So once I leveled up the shock prod thing to actually like fire off at a decent clip and, and be a bit wider so I didn't have to get so close to enemies, it was a bit better. But that's the only weapon I like. All of the others are just the kind of stuff that would be low tier in another Survivor game. The kind of stuff where you're like, I, you never go for it. I'm utterly baffled at how bad the weapons are, which is a shame because the game seems mm. good. It's a shame because like, I, I quite enjoy Core Fault, but my, my biggest problem with it isn't any of that. My, my problem with it is purely that like, there is a limited amount of content there and you're going to have seen everything it has to offer quicker than most Survivors games. Yeah. But like, I I I enjoy the core game. I I you know I fall on the other side of it. I I very much enjoy it, but I enjoy it in that same way that I enjoy, say, um, Choo Choo Survivors that we talked about the other week, where it's like, I enjoy this. I'm gonna come back to it once in a while when yeah. I haven't played it in a while, and I'm just fancying a different Survivors game. I'm not gonna be playing it religiously like I would say Bone Razor Minions, mm -hmm. which is a thing overall on the play date. Like everything is. Yeah supposed to be bite-sized which means that even when you find a good game you kind of tap it out before too long rain blocks it's just tetris you kind of for a game for a thing that like looks very game boyish you kind of need one so yeah. i put rain blocks on uh, out of sheer obligation super corporate tax evader i love this for the three minutes it's fun Right. For the three minutes until the joke wears off. It's three minutes of very good fun. Yeah. It's it's genius. But once you've played it once you've seen the joke. Um yeah. but it is fucking brilliant. Uh I did have to change the controls and I'm glad they had the option to pressing a button to put the shredder away instead of docking the uh crank itself. Which is not a quick thing to do. Well, see, that's kind of why I liked playing it with the having to dock the crank in mechanic. For me, the the fumble was part of what I enjoyed about it. Oh, it was the I didn't like oh that. god, got to get it in, in got to get it in the precise little hole real quick. I I have sex for that. <laughs> I, I don't I don't need this. Um, where are we? There was one other one. Oh well, there, I also played one called Tochi which was a sort of dungeon-crawling one. Um, pretty decent. Pretty hard. It's sort of set out like a like an old-school roguelike type of thing. Um, it's okay. And then the one I've actually played a lot of is Pocket mm. Pets. Pocket Pets is done by Squid God, who co-developed uh, Core Fault. 
Uh, it's a Tamagotchi. Now, I love me a virtual pet. And because, again, it's Playdate, so it's like a stripped-down Tamagotchi. You can feed it. You can use the crank to pet it. But you see all the little things it does, because it's got little stripped-down versions of everything else as well. Uh, not everything, but other stuff. There's like a fishing mini game, um, which is actually a really shit one. You just have the line in the water. When it bobs, you just crank, and that's it. Um, there's no like challenge or anything to it. There is a farming element where you mm. spend money that you earn fishing or doing the other thing that I'll talk about in a second to add to little plots and then you pop seeds in them and you grow the food that you feed to your pet, which can evolve into different animals based on its hunger level when it evolves. But there's no information anywhere as to what level I need to get the shrimp. So I've ended up with some sort of bird that will either evolve into a crow or a chicken. I'm hoping for chicken, but I don't know what. But what really is keeping me on this is there is a battle system and mm. it's Mega Man Battle Network. <laughs> there is a little square, a little grid that your animal's on and you move it around and there is a three square column that the monsters are on and they go up and down and the last several vegetables that you fed to your animal are your weapons and you plant them in the grid and they've got varying times to grow and different behaviors like the pumpkin will hit for moderate damage every square in the monster column the eggplant or I think it's an eggplant, will just hit whatever square is on the same row as you. There are ones that heal and stuff like that. And the monsters have different movement patterns and attack patterns. And yeah, like Mega Man Battle Network. But you're also growing and growing and using plants as weapons. I found that really addictive. I found that really yeah. compelling. And... It's good enough to where it gets me earning money to buy more seeds, to plant more stuff, to feed my animal, which will evolve based on its the XP it gets in the battles. It's really well made for something yeah. that is just Tamagotchi. It's got better fucking minigames than actual Tamagotchis do. Like, even mm. that recent Tamagotchi I got at the beginning of the year, the minigames were, like, real stupid throwaway shit. This is better than all of the minigames on a Tamagotchi combined. And it certainly kept me, like, invested for longer than any of those. Again, combined. Um, yeah, so far, Pocket Pets is the one Playdate game that I am going back to the system for. One thing I will say about Season 1's Playdate stuff, I don't think they did the best of jobs with order, the order they put stuff on here. Mm. Because I think there are, as this season goes on, more frequently, more compelling things to experience. And specifically, I think the thing that's sort of really missing from those like first couple of weeks of making that good first impression is stuff that is both in-depth in terms of like the amount of time you're going to be investing into like really getting into it, while also not being too gimmicky about how it uses the crank. And there is stuff like coming up in like the weeks ahead stuff like um spell corked inventory hero stuff that i think is like really good showcases for the play date that really could have done with being in that first week or so but 
I think that like you will you will probably have a better experience like as the like next week I'm I'm having a look at what you've got coming up next week. Two of my favorite games from season one are next week. So okay, fingers okay. crossed that that helps a little. Uh, other than that, I am happy to give some recommendations of stuff on itch.io that I yeah. think is worth putting your time into. I've tried looking some up, but they've um, just not been great. Trial and error has been what's gotten me the good yeah. stuff. The Celeste port, the Pico 8 Celeste port to Playdate is fantastic and is well worth putting on there. I would recommend Factory Farming. It's a very Factorio-esque game about making little conveyor belt farming, but you have multiple different farms and you're like trying to import things from one farm into another to make stuff. It is... I really dig it. Okay. Generations is a really nice puzzle game that is a... Somewhat similar to... You could compare it to something like Threes, where you're trying to combine things that are the same to make larger things. But it has a little bit of a twist of how you interact with it. It's a puzzle game I come back to really frequently when I'm just looking for something to play on the train. I would really recommend Bloom, which is a game I've talked about on here before, which, if you're okay with the fact that there's very little video game to it, and that it is a thing that you are expected to play in little doses over a few weeks, I think it is fantastic. You know when mobile games only let you play a little bit per day because of running out of energy and it's fucking bullshit? Yeah. This is the only game I've ever played that made you can only do a little bit of it per day feel deliberate and tonally like it like it tonally added to the experience and was beneficial to how it told its story, uh, which I think is worth. Yeah. I've worth I've checking. heard a lot um, alongside your own discussions of Bloom. That's the one that has cropped up repeatedly it's, in it, lists it's... of recommendations. It's one that, again, I say there is not much gameplay to it. Yeah. And I can certainly see why, because like, it's one of the more expensive games I bought on itch. I think it was like about £10. And I can see how if you bought that for £10 and you got te- five, five, ten minutes in on the first day and there was nothing else to do, you could go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I'm going to get it. I'm glad you gave me that. Like, yeah. Like there's that warning. Those would be the ones I'd, I'd, I'd start you on. I think that there's some stuff you could really enjoy in there. Oh, actually, last one. If you just fancy, it's just it's just Doctor Mario, uh, Doctor Panic. Doctor Panic is just Doctor Mario. Yeah, I'm all right with that. Not a bad thing to have on there. Yeah, thank you for those. Yeah, no worries. Uh, fingers crossed, you get on all right with some of them. Um, can I very quickly tell you both about a thing that I played this week that um, I don't have much to say about it? I mean, here's certainly the forum for it. I'm gonna send you both some images in our group chat about a game that I have checked out this week. Tell me if anything jumps out to you about these two images I've, I've sent in the group chat. Well, this is vaguely familiar. Yeah, this is a game called yeah. uh, The Last Hope. Uh, the Last uh-huh. Hope Dead Zone Survivor, specifically. <laughs> what's, what's, got, what's, what's got you laughing, Steph? What's caught your attention here? The face of not Ellie. <laughs> With that dopey yeah. little smirk on her face. This is yeah. great. Yeah, so this is, um, it's currently 99p on the eShop. I saw it on the shop, but I didn't pay enough attention to the screenshots to realise what it was, what it was aping. Oh, I'm getting this. Yeah, so this is a Last of Us knockoff. It's, it's the not Last of Us. Um, the key art, and then you see the in-game character, it becomes very clear, this is, this is the fucking Last of Us. Um, 
I'm going to try and explain to you this very, very wonkily made bad third-person shooter. Oh, I'm excited um, about this. It's fucking bonkers. Not Joel, whose name I forget, is a time traveller. The okay. zombie outbreak happened, and then as part of an investigation by the government of how to deal with the zombie outbreak, they sent him to the future to try and find, <laughs> like, hopefully there's a cure in the future. This sounds brilliant. And there wasn't a cure in the future, so now he's just in the future. And then it just becomes The Last of Us. He meets clearly Ellie, and she is a, she is she she does not have the disease. I don't know if she's immune. They 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 make it clear she's not infected, and like that that's a big plot point. The way that it was in The Last of Us, without explicitly saying that she's immune, and that's why we got to do it. Uh, so we got to we got a man and, and not Ellie have got to go on a cross country trip now. Shoot some zombies. <laughs> it's not good. Oh, I love this. But I'm already... I've already gotten my 99 pence worth out of this thing. I, if I recall correctly from when I saw it on the store, because my fucking switch is out of battery, isn't it currently on sale as a launch thing? Is, and it's, like, going to be sold for, like, 10 or 12 bucks? It is usually £8.99. <laughs> yeah. But it is currently yeah. 99p until the 13th. So you've got about you've got about a week to get it for 99p, which like <laughs> honestly, at that price, I'm getting my money's worth out of it. At nine quid, this can burn to hell. I'm getting fucking content out of this. Yeah, look, I've I've not played much of it, but I had to at least ignore I was like, I have to bring it up this week, even though I've i I've not played much of it, because you need to know this oh, exists. Absolutely. You need to get on it, Steph. I'm fucking annoyed because I literally saw it on the store and I I just glazed over it. I was like, oh, it looks like another one of those shitty knockoff games that you get. I didn't realise. I can tell you one thing already about how bad this game is. I don't think the people who made this this game remember what they titled They're Not Ellie. Because I'm pretty sure they've called her two different names already. Oh. I think they've called her both Eva and Eve. <laughs> I I think they've gotten confused about what, what her name is. I love it. I love so it. So look forward to that. Comrade, have you played anything else this week? No. No, I have not. Well, in that case, shall we crack into a bit of news before we, we finish up this week? Mm-hmm. Yes, we should do that. Cool. Um, so, we kind of glossed over something, uh, we, we sort of rushed through something at the end of last week's episode, and I'm going to cycle back to this. Conrad, Microsoft tried to buy Bungie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, they did. they tried to buy Bungie They again. tried to buy yeah. Bungie, mm -hmm. um, they tried to buy Bungie, and as we know, uh, that didn't work out. No. Um, no, it did not. But you know what we didn't know last week about that whole What's situation? That? We're not meant to know that Microsoft tried to buy Bungie. Go on. Why Why were we not supposed to know? Well, we weren't supposed to know in the same sense that we weren't supposed to know any of those, um, you know, numerical and financial figures about Sony that we talked about last week, about, like, the amount of money they make off certain things and that sort of stuff. There was a bit of a fuck-up at the FTC this week. <laughs> um... Someone was responsible for redacting certain information from documents submitted that were part of the trial, and they did so by crossing them out with uh, a black Sharpie. Uh, and it turns out, Sharpie goes a little bit translucent when you photocopy it. Mm -hmm. So That's some true. of this information yeah. we know 
was redacted information that was still readable. Um, mm. So we're not meant to know that Microsoft tried to buy Bungie. Uh, mm. And that that didn't go ahead for him. Okay, so I mean, I, have, I mean, so many questions. Yeah, right. So many, so many questions. Like, okay, so they're they're manually doing with this with Sharpie. Uh, yeah, when, some, someone at the FTC was manually doing this with Sharpie. When when we have computers, yeah, and they have the capability to do this just as easily. We do have an example somewhere in the uh, the the topic list of. Uh, what what it happens to look like? Um, there is a thing in the the topic list that says demonstration of Sharpie redaction issue that led to us seeing secret info. Um, yeah, you can just you can just look at it and read through it. Um, it's kind of fucking wild. Um, there is no explanation Amazing. as to how this happened. Um, but the court tried to remove the affected exhibits from the case, but. Too little, too late. It's out there now. Yeah, you already put them out. It's <laughs> yeah. So uh, on top of that, we didn't know this last week. We got another studio to add on the Microsoft tried to buy blank list. Um, I don't think we talked about this last week. Microsoft considered trying to buy out Square Enix. Huh. Yeah. This was this was floated about around in uh, 2019. Um, they basically were like, hey. We would really like to own Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, and Kingdom Hearts. That would help Xbox sell okay in Japan. Well, let me tell you <laughs> something. If Square Enix wants to continue to pursue this NFT track that they are on, mm. um, Microsoft probably be able to pick them up for a song in a few years. I don't know if you've been paying any attention, yeah. but over the last couple of weeks, like... The bored apes have lost twenty five percent of their value. Oh, mm -hmm. good. And, and this is this is this is the best part. This I love this. Oh my god, this is so delicious. A loan industry cropped up for people to borrow Ethereum using their NFTs as collateral. Oh. With. The agreement being that should, because these are volatile assets, should the value of the NFT drop too low, they can liquidate it to try and get back their money. <laughs> so banks are auctioning off people's board apes because they collateralized them. <laughs> and now people on Twitter are like, oh my god, my board apes are going to liquidate it out. It is, oh. it's... Oh, it's so funny. It's so oh. funny. Anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack no, us no, from No, no, that, that is a beautiful sidetrack that I'm glad I know about. Um, it's real good. Uh, the, the only other thing we got out of that uh, Microsoft wanting to acquire Square Enix thing, and again, this doesn't look great for them in the FTC hearing, is uh, one of the things that was discussed was that, uh, you know, while they might release some, you know, Square Enix stuff multi-platform after this went ahead, even if they did so... Future Square Enix games would pr preference Project Scarlet, which is the current gen of, of Xbox consoles, um, regardless of the knowledge that doing so would cannibalize some sales, which is not a thing they want on the record. That 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 like in twenty nineteen they were going, yeah, we'll we'll make thing we'll make games better on Xbox, even though that'll you know hurt sales a bit, so that we look better. 
that is explicitly the thing that Sony is going, hey, what if you did that? That'd be bad for us if you did that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, see, that's pretty damning. Yeah, it's not, it's not great for them. It doesn't help them. We also... <sighs> so look, this is just a silly little story. Um, Microsoft's lawyer clearly had some wires crossed at some point during the FTC hearing, because, um, he stated that The Elder Scrolls 16 will be releasing in 2026. But they better get a move on. Yeah, they got, they got quite a few Elder Scrolls to get out. <laughs> um, oh. yeah, uh, clearly he was a... So, well, Final Fantasy 16 just came out. I'm sure he's been playing a lot of that and just mixed up some numbers. So, people have assumed that what he meant was Elder Scrolls 6, which has been yeah. announced, is coming out in 2026. But then Microsoft was like, no, Elder Scrolls 6 is definitely not coming out in 2026. It's like five years minimum away. Don't fucking tell people it's 2026. And he tried to explain what he had said, and he just made things more confusing. Um, I'm I'm gonna... I'm going to try and clarify this. Uh, I'm going to try and read his statement. When you were asking about Zenimax and asked the FTC lawyer to find a game that was most similar to Xbox, he mentioned Elder Scrolls. There are two Elder Scrolls games. One is called Elder Scrolls Online. That is a multiplayer game. It is on PlayStation today. The Elder Scrolls 16 is the other, whose projected release is 2026 as a single-player game. He went on to say that it was going to be an Xbox game, and then Phil Spencer had to come out and be like, we haven't decided on platforms, we we haven't even fucking started on Elder Scrolls, stop. There's been a lot of that in this trial, of like, the Microsoft lawyer confidently saying things that just aren't correct, or, as is the case in another story, saying things very confidently that either he should not know... Or he's confidently stating rumours that have circulated online as if they are fact. Which has been kind of fascinating to watch. Um, One of those cases is that, um, according to Microsoft's lawyer, a PlayStation 5 Slim and a handheld PS5 are both expected to launch this year. Neither of which are announced things that PlayStation has announced. Now, there have been rumours that a PS5 Slim without the disk drive, with an optional disk drive you could add later, is is maybe happening. And that by handheld PS5, maybe they mean that streaming device Project Q for streaming your PS5 to your handheld screen. But he's an, he's talking, he talks about both of them in the court filing as, like, things that are definitely happening, to the point where he's, like, talking about the price of them, and Sony's had to go, like... No. No? We're not quite sure what you're doing. There's a lot of just talking about unannounced things as if they are definitely real, and as if information about them is definitely known. It's been a weird one. We did get Microsoft CEO Satchin and Nadella saying that uh, he'd love to get rid of console exclusives. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I don't... He could. Evidence to the The contrary is pretty... I, I mean, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Is the evidence doesn't suggest he feels that way, but... Uh, uh, it's like when yeah. um, game companies, uh, a bunch of publishers and developers, like, many years ago used to say, oh, God, games are too expensive at $60. Uh, we really should, like, look into ways to lower the prices. Oh, but we can't do it. 
Yeah. Someone from Bethesda did that. It was, oh, yeah, games prices should definitely be lower, except Skyrim because it's so good. John Riccatello at EA used to do it. And then when EA um, set up Origin and could literally control its own market, they didn't. (laughs) It seems to be a very similar situation here where he's like, ah, I would love for this to happen, but... We're losing the console war, so we can't do it. Sony would have to do it because they're the people who could, you know, who could do the olive branch. Um, I'll, I'll read his quote. If it was up to me, I would love to get rid of the entire sort of exclusives on consoles, but that's not up to me to define. Especially as a low share player in the console market, that the dominant player there has defined market competition using exclusives. And so that's the world we live in. I have no love for that world. So he's really trying to suggest, hey, Sony is winning and they have exclusives. So in order to be winning, we also have to have them. So like, we don't want exclusives, but like Sony's made, it's Sony's fault we got to do them. I mean, sure on one level, if, you know, that's how companies are still insisting on being competitive. But on the other, no... Shut up, right. you liars. <laughs> right. Oh, God. It's it's transparent is what it is. Yeah. Um, we've got a couple of other bits very quickly to go through. Uh, Ubisoft hasn't given up on fucking blockchain games. Yeah. Uh, they've announced their first Champions Tactics Grimoria Advanced... Uh, no, sorry. Grimoria Chronicles. No way. Um, it, no way. Is that what it's called? It's called Champions Tactics Grimoria Chronicles. <laughs> that is a parody name, surely. That is word that salad. Is, it's nope. not just a word salad. It is all of the generic names for games on mobile stores all mashed together. Yeah. It is Champions Tactics Grimoria Chronicles. Cro- the Chronicles is what sells it. <laughs> right. The amount of games. All it needs is Clash in there somewhere. Clash yeah. yeah, if it had Clash, it would be Chef's Kiss levels of parody. It is happening on something called the Oasis blockchain, blah, blah, Ugh. blah. It's the same blockchain that Square Enix has put, poured a bunch of money into for its its blockchain There's games. a whole bunch of game execs trying to make their fucking NFT yeah. investments back. Yeah, so this is this is the blockchain that has been like poured money into by Bandai Namco, Sega, Ubisoft, and Square Enix. They describe the game as PvP tactical RPG experimental. <sighs> those, those are words. Did fucking Yves Jumeau just like drag his dick across a typewriter or something? It's like an Ubisoft executive saw a typewriter and thought, oh, we haven't sexually harassed that yet. Also, Niantic. You know how we've mm. only really talked about them recently when they do like bullshit that turns even their most like supportant players away from their most popular games. Um, yeah, Niantic's laying off 230 staff around a quarter of the company and has cancelled their upcoming Marvel game and is closing their NBA branded game and is closing down their LA development studio. Basically everything that isn't Pokemon Go is kind of getting shuttered. The person from Niantic explained this as like, Oh, there's been a decline in spending post-COVID and increasingly complex AR game market and blah, blah, blah. No. As someone who used to play your games, Niantic, who used to occasionally give you money because, like, I didn't feel pressured to, 
you took a thing that was successful and you ratcheted up the you you turned the dial up to eleven on monetization to the point that people went nah I'm out yeah on the literal money printing machine that you had you had a fucking money printing machine and you monetized it to the point that people left. Yeah, I've heard all sorts of stuff about Niantic over the years. Yeah. There were some stories I sort of sadly ADHD'd out of never properly chasing up. They're a bunch of wankers. Basically, the short story yes. is they're a, it's run by a bunch of wankers. Yeah. A lot of the stories I hear are from people who are big members of like the community that make that game functionally work. People who organise like in-person events, that kind of thing. The people who pass your messaging down to the community and like you know, the the fans that you really should be communicating with. Niantic having a very fuck you, you don't know what you're on about relationship with them. Yeah. And these fans that they have very explicitly brought in to go, what is the community enjoying? What are they not? What could we be doing better? Anytime that any kind of recommendation is made to be like, these are the problems that are like pushing people away from the game. Niantic goes, you don't know what you're talking about. Fuck off. And that antagonism has just grown and grown and really hurt that game's community. Yeah. So, that's what that is. And the last one, the last one we got this week, is a story that, like, almost starts as a company having a backbone and then kind of backpedals itself a bit. So we've talked, we've talked a few times about Roblox and how that game is pretty terrible for children. Uh, in terms of, like, monetization, in terms of not properly safeguarding uh, young players, in terms of, like, monetizing the work of children and not properly compensating them. Shit like that. So, Roblox isn't available on PlayStation because um, PlayStation's Jim Ryan uh, apparently was like, hey, we have concerns about this game being dangerous to children. This came out of the, the FTC stuff with Microsoft. There is a document in which Jim Ryan discussed, you know, Roblox not being on Sony consoles. I'll read his words here. Uh, historically, because of the large number of children that, pl uh, that play on PlayStation, we've been very careful with regards to opening them up to anything that could potentially exploit them. Hmm. Which is like, yeah, this all sounds great. Yeah. Then he continues... Over the last couple of years, however, we've reviewed those policies and relaxed a little on this. Oh we've been conservative for too long, and now we're currently <laughs> engaging with people at Roblox. We hope that this situation will change. So yeah, Jim Ryan recognised that Roblox was like dangerous for kids, and he's gone, Yeah, we've been a bit too harsh, though. I'll throw it on there. Yeah, we're allowed a little bit of child endangerment as a treat. Yeah, oh, so that's, that's just some, like, really bold-faced uh, backpedalling happening, so, yeah. Amazing. It's honestly kind of fascinating seeing how much of this behind-the-doors transparency we are getting out of this court case. If nothing else, it is interesting to see how just transparent these people will be when they don't think people are looking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I have one more thing <gasps> Ooh, what are you to got? bring because this this uh, this popped up yesterday, and it is uh, it's somewhat related. Uh, if you are in the Los Angeles area right now, be on the lookout for Yoko Taro's email mask. The what? Because he lost it. Oh, 
<laughs> he was out drinking. Oh, uh, he's, no. He was in town for Anime oh, Expo. Oh, shit. He was out drinking, and uh, I'm going to send you... He had to run out and get a replacement mask from a costume shop. Cost him 100 Oh, God. 50 bucks. Oh, God, I'm looking at the replacement mask. It is... It is a horrifying leprechaun mask that he believes may be haunted by the <laughs> spirit of a grandmother or cousin of somebody who owned the shop. He had to negotiate with them to get it. Oh and it's just this horrific le- leprechaun. Oh my god! Yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So Emil is somewhere in L.A. They went out drinking the night before he was supposed to do a panel, and they lost it. They just, I don't yeah. know why would you bring the mask with you to go drinking, but to be specific, he didn't. He he says he's not to blame for losing it. No, the, it was, the producer. Yeah, yes, yeah, so this TV producer. Um, they were sharing drinks, and the TV producer lost the mask. Yes, That's and I I get it. Like else. if your whole thing is never having your face visible, I get. You know, I get it. But... Oh sure. <sighs> oh boy, yeah. So there's something fun. Here's something fun for you to enjoy. Go go look at that photo of Yoko Taro with this yeah, that... hideous leprechaun mask. I am horrified by it. I didn't think the email mask could get creepier. And here we are. I don't like that there is a crease underneath the nose that could be a mouth, but then below that is a mouth. Uh, it's the hair yeah. on the bottom, like the beard that it has. That, yeah. uh, none, of it's, none of it's good. Nothing's good here. <laughs> uh, I I hope I hope I hope he finds his mask because I can't. This can't be his future. This cannot continue. Yeah, I, sus- I suspect they'll get a replacement pretty soon. Oh, I'm I I hope so. I need so. Ah, <laughs> uh, so right. we 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 did it. So we you need it. that, Laura. Yeah. What our listeners need to know is the stuff you've done that they can look at and read and hear. And see well, and experience. Well, that well that stuff you can find at Laura K Buzz pretty much everywhere. I got that good consistent branding. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Uh, Blue Sky, Mastodon. I'm in all the places. Um, I did a video this week that I'm pretty proud of, and I hope people check out uh, about Tears of the Kingdom and its relationship to the uh, that opening phrase from the original Legend of Zelda. It's dangerous to go alone. Um, it's like 20 minutes long and I'm really happy with it. Go check that out uh, over on YouTube. Uh, other than that, hey, reminder, in October I've got a book coming out, Stories of Autistic Joy. That's October 19th. It'll be here before you know it. What about you, Conrad? Where, where, where are you out on that internet? I am Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter, Instagram, and now Blue Sky, uh, which is fun and going to be fun for the next few months. So if you can get in there, do that. Um, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda and licensed Jimquisition merchandise from mercenarycreative.com. It's hot sticker summer. All stickers are half off. Uh, and everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash fist shark. And you know who else has a Patreon? James Stephanie Sterling. Uh, thank you very much. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Uh, do check that out. Uh, you can use that to support uh, this show and the Jimquisition, uh, which I recommend watching this week. Um, it is called It Gets Good After 30 Hours and uh, features the stupendium um, as uh, a well a guest star, I suppose. Um, really proud of that episode as well, overall. Um, 
My next wrestling date is this Saturday. I will be in York for True Grit Wrestle. Uh, True Grit Wrestling uh, at True Grit Wrestle. Uh, check them out. Um, the next night, I'll be in Manchester at the Head Bar uh, for an evening with Commander Sterling. That's part of Mark Adams's evening with shows that he does there. Um, it'll be like an interview thing, and I'm bringing a, a bin bag full of prizes um, that I will have acquired before the show. Um, if we can find a way to get the crash mat to the venue as well, I'll give out free choke slams. Um, you can find information for that on Skiddle, um, but just sort of look up um, an evening with Commander Sterling. Uh, and then the next confirmed date, I don't think it's officially announced yet, but I will be in Huddersfield on uh, July 30th for Tidal Wrestling. Um, I'm debuting. It's a new... new. I got drunk with the promoter a couple of weeks ago and um, just landed a booking as a result. Um, so that's good. Uh, she was wearing a Labyrinth t-shirt. Of course I was going to drink with her. Um, I will be debuting in the women's rumble match that they're having. Um, so yeah, July 30th, Tidal Wrestling, Huddersfield. Uh, do check that out. And my next confirmed after that is August 26th. True Grit Wrestling again in Leeds. Biggest match of my career that one will be. So thank you all so much for your continued support, for coming to those wrestling shows, for listening to this and everything else. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.